Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And we have a special friend of the show, I guess would be the easiest way to describe this guest this week. Um, he's he's done quite a few things for us, um, just as a yeah. starting out as a listener fan and now kind of just become someone we know and, and keep up with in real life. Uh, Chuck, tell us who we got. We have... Uh... Chris Acosta, he goes by, was it Jesus uh, Christ on, on Instagram? Yeah, it's... Uh, confuse me for a minute. <laughs> Jesus, uh, my name is Jesus, Jesus Cristobal Acosta, but I go by Chris yeah. Acosta, but I do have Jesus okay. on my Instagram. That's yeah, true. Yeah, so he is basically um, an EMT, um, and he has done a lot of work. I mean, basically, with, uh, Chris is an EMT. <laughs> yeah. And he's done a lot of work with the Prescott uh, 13 stuff um, mm-hmm. that I, we've been posting a lot about, which yeah. I think is fucking admirable because we have also done posts about that, too. Um, and then to find out that someone that's close to us works with that is amazing um, or helps out with the company who works with it, you know. And he's also uh, uh, an American filmmaker, actor, and I would like to say producer and director of some short films that he has created and, and produced and, and, and released out to the public. And a and, graphic... Um, graphic artist because chris yep. done some stuff for us <laughs> yeah yes, i do true. i do a bunch of stuff uh in in the art department that's yeah that's correct <laughs> yeah so that that art degree is is paying off that's like the first one i've ever heard of paying off oh well i mean it's actually about hustle <laughs> yeah well i i just i got my my associates in general studies uh, and then I just got a certificate in graphic design and then, yeah, I did go oh, to so, film school. So, okay. So you went to film school. Cause I, I've talked to a lot of people who are like in law enforcement. Right. And they, they went the, uh, were like, Oh, I have a master's degree. I'm like, Oh yeah. What's it in? I don't know. Liberal arts. And I'm like, Oh, you have an art degree. What are you yeah, doing? Here's here? the thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, do you know what you do when a philosophy major comes to your door? Nothing. <laughs> and when you take pizza. Right. Like if you get a degree in music or you get a degree in art, the only thing that you are certified to do is teach music and art. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. You can't get a degree in talent. Right. And you can't get a, you, you can, you can learn how to hustle when you're in college and, and do the work. But, um, you know, you could be just as successful as an actor or as a musician or as an artist by teaching yourself and going out there and doing the work as you can, you know, going to school. I will say this though, for those of you who are like, well, yeah, I went to art school, school in general, college for whatever you're going for has the unique effect of giving you connections in the realm that you want to get into. If you go to film school, you're going to meet filmmakers. You're going to meet other, unless you go to, unless you go to school online. Well, right. Because <laughs> I have zero fucking connections <laughs> from college, right? Yeah. Zero. Um, That's the, you know for those of you going to school when you're 18 to 22 or 24 or whatever, you do meet a lot of people that then 
are become professional networking connections that you carry with you. So I'm sure film school uh, and, and, and whatnot probably did that for you a little bit. No, Chris. Or... Well, yeah, um, I guess uh, that was always my, my goal. Even after high school was to go to film school. Cause I had no, no knowledge of where to start. Cause I, I wanted to do something in the film industry and I wasn't quite sure what. So when I went to our community college down here at Yavapai, um, there were some options, uh, but the film make, uh, the film course was actually in another spot in Arizona, which I couldn't go to because it was uh, some poor teenager that was just, you know, just starting out. Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, I just uh, try to do what I could there at the on campus. So that's where I ended up doing a lot of stuff with Adobe Photoshop, um, graphic design and some three dimensional art. And a lot of the teachers there who are, I'm still connected with uh, yeah. helped me helped me in that area, yeah. which pushed that's me cool. over towards film and stuff. Yeah. So now how talk to our audience a little bit about how you go from or or because I. Uh, again, like you, I've lived in both worlds and I have a foot kind of in both worlds where I still de- deal with, you know, art and filmmaking and production and doing creative stuff. But then also you keep your foot in the world of safety and public service and all that kind of stuff. How did you end up becoming a bifurcated human like that as well, where you have all this artistic stuff going on, but then you're also uh, an EMT who's heavily involved in the fire and EMS community where you're at? Talk to us about how you ended up being involved in the fire and EMS community to begin with. All right. Well, it was very like out of left field. That's for sure. Cause um, I think it was after I, I finished my uh, program with the filmmaking over in Sedona, Arizona. Um, I thought I was going to be able to just go into, you know, the film industry and I was going to get a job and everything was going to be peachy and shit, right. you know? So no, that was exactly the opposite. I think it was, uh, around 2013 during all that time. And, mm-hmm. um, it was hard to find, I, I get, I, I remember it being hard to find work. And especially if in the, in the field that I was looking into, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So, um, I ended up going back to my hometown in Ash Fork. Um, and I had promised myself I wasn't going to come back to this little teeny tiny town because there was no opportunity here. But this is where I ended up. <laughs> yeah, don't so, promise yourself. And I'm, and I'm still I'm still here. God damn it. You know, so but but uh, that turns into a different story. But um, I, uh, I I remember I was struggling trying to find a job and uh some of my buddies were part of the local fire, uh, volunteer fire department here or uh, just north of us in Kaibab National Forest because there's one here in Ashwork called the Ashwork uh, Fire Department di- uh, for the district. And then in Kaibab, they're called KEW, uh, Kaibab the States West. And that's how it all started. The, my friends were like, well, if you have nothing to do, come to one of the board meetings at the fire department. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, why the hell am I going to go to a freaking board meeting? That sounds lame as shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I I took that step towards fire, and it changed. My life changed, really. Yeah. You know, I was now involved in a whole different 
thing than what I was just focused on was just art and film. And now I ended up stepping into the fire department. Right. And it it was purpose and meaning. Exactly. Yeah. So once I started to get, uh, get knowledge in that area, I was like, holy crap, this is actually pretty amazing, you know? And still to this day, like my love for film and acting and fire are extreme. They're like Thai, like I'll dip into one part, you know, on one side and then I'll dip totally onto the other side. Right. So, um, I guess after that, um, I ended up looking into the district here in, in my hometown and, uh, the guys that I got to know there were, were awesome. Cause they're, there were older guys about 10 years older than me, but I always grew up seeing them, you know, when I was in uh, elementary school, I'd see them in high school. So I knew them. Right. Cause this was a, so, you're, like you said, small area. I'm sure you, you everyone knows everyone. up knowing everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like our town's about two miles long. Right. Um, oh shit. I grew up this is, like yeah, that. this is my home that yeah, I, we're right by the I 40. We're a teeny, tiny town. And I, went from you know preschool up to high school i i know oh. this place like the back of my hand and there's people that have been here longer than me that taught me more about sure. the ins and outs in ash fork you know so um that's when the fun began because i actually was still involved with film but now i was gonna be i was like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be a firefighter and uh i'm gonna fi- i'm gonna see what's going on and i guess it, it was around that time oh excuse me hit the mic um that my first year in the fire service or with the volunteer department that's when the granite mountain 19 mm. had passed over in yarnell the 19 yeah the 19 the, yep. excuse me i said 13 and i think i was oh. thinking about something else you were thinking about it yeah yeah. Anyway. So, all right. So, uh, I ended up going to uh, maybe uh, their main memorial over at the uh, Toyota Center in this uh, place called Prescott Valley, Arizona. And that's when I saw, like, what this job can bring. It's not just, it, it, it's a serious, it's serious, it's a serious shit, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. If we're going to pursue this, like the possibility of injury and death are definitely there, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to pursue this, if I'm going to pursue this, you're going to do it right. You're not going to half-ass it. You're going to learn the ins and outs so that you can be safe and, and keep the people around you safe. That was the first thing that went into my head because, um, I mean, how can you not see that when you're there and you see 19 photographs of these wildland firefighters who were the elite of wildland in the inner inner agency? Right, right. So that was kind of like a huge wake up call. It's like this, you're not gonna you're not gonna mess around here. So it's not gonna be like film. It's not gonna be art and stuff like that. This is where you have other people's lives on the line, and then you also have to look after your yourself and the ones you are helping or working with. You know, right? Mm-hmm. 
so that was the that was my intro to fire was when that happened in 2013 and from there i i try to learn as much as i can uh you know I'd, I'd go to work and i'd have my radio on me and if my radio rang out and if i was available from work you know if i wasn't you know helping out the kids at the school i would go and respond to that call whether it's a call on the i-40 or right. if it was a medical medical call here but yeah both on because the reason why i say the i-40 because a lot of our bread and butter were 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 on that on that freeway yeah yeah and we saw a lot of stuff and there's some things that <laughs> that i'm never ever gonna forget right. uh but but when it comes to medical calls here in town, man, we see we see a lot of stuff as well. And we're a volunteer right. department. So you see and it Yeah. So it's not like there isn't anybody else to call, right? Like Well, yeah. And then we have like maybe a thirty minute wait for um paramedics to show up from Lifeline AMR. Yeah. Uh so sometimes that wait time can be even longer because if uh the closest uh ambulance service to us is the town of williams which is on i-40 it's about uh 17 minutes away but sometimes mm -hmm. we'll have calls that are further towards um the west so we have to really make sure whether like if we show up on scene if we're gonna need to call a bird you know for air, air vac right and you know also call the ambulance on the way it's a it's very different for the rural area and we're pretty rural <laughs> what i think yeah, there. 30 minutes to get an ambulance is pretty rural yeah I'm, I'm guessing the closest fire service to back you guys up is forestry like the u.s forestry fire service right well well we um you have a county house the, there is a the three departments that are closest to each other four departments that are closest to each other are uh to the north which is the KEW fire department and more into the east is the Williams fire district. And then to the west is the Seligman fire department, but those are volunteer as well. And we also have a, uh, uh, high highlands, high country. I forget, always forget the name. Uh, but the closest paid department is another maybe 30 or 40 minutes to the South towards Prescott in this town called Chino, just, just north of Prescott, um, and that's uh, Central Fire Medical for the uh, Yavapai County. What I think is crazy is that you're you're in a whole town, and the whole the whole town's fire department is all volunteer based. That that right. is wild. See, you know, it, and I guess coming from areas where they're smaller, I've seen more of these departments. You get to it, but growing up, I never saw them. Just like you, you know what I mean. So yeah, it, it was weird. It was I know what Chuck is saying because for me to find out. Like, oh man, there's all these teeny, teeny, tiny departments, really? Because you know, I mean, hell, Chuck, we grew up where the the single largest police department, or single largest police department on the West Coast, and the world's largest sheriff's department were in the same county. Yeah. <laughs> so I've only, and every time I saw a fire department, a police department that was like really small, I was just like, what the fuck? And it would be like in a really small area, like for San Fernando. San Fernando PD is. Right one of the smallest police departments I think I've ever fucking seen other yeah. than Beverly Hills. Right. And they still have like a fucking 90 man roster 
for uh sworn and i'm just like and that's including the chief and maybe it's Dude, 100 and something but it was like bro, what the fuck there's a sheriff's department wow. real near where i live i met one of the deputies 13 people total that's crazy from, from the well, election so, sheriff to the lowest man on the totem pole 13 people I take I take my original statement back. Yeah. So there's a there's a fucking place that I know the assistant chief of police and we had him on the show. Um, his name is Brian Smith. And he came on our show, spoke a little bit about some of the stuff he does, assistant police shit and CHP and whatever, yada yada. But the agency he wanted me to uh to go to and uh, to work with him was like, yeah, it was it was only two people on each watch or one. At nighttime, you had two or maybe three, if you're lucky, and one dispatcher. So the whole agency was maybe like 25 dudes, and they was all they all came from northern and central California, and they're up near Bakersfield in a place called Shafter PD. Shafter oh, I PD, Shafter I think, is, is like yeah, yeah it's tiny as fuck. It's like 13 officers, maybe 20. <laughs> that's See, that sounds that sounds big to me. You know, that sounds right. like a lot of a lot of, a lot of law enforcement. How many cops <laughs> do you guys have there, Chris? Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't have a police department here in Ash Fork. So what happens is that uh, state, state troopers. Uh, we oh yeah, we do have state troopers. Um, makes sense. But yeah. also we don't. DPS they're not. Re- they're not resided in Arizona. I mean in Arizona, in Ash Fork. Right. They're in Seligman. Right. Um, but when it comes to the sheriff's department, the Yavapai County Sheriff, uh, they're down in Prescott, which is forty minutes away from here. Right. So they do. Do you have uh, a resident deputy? That, I, I take that back. Yeah, we we yet. do have a place here, but it's not like it. Like there'll be like two sheriffs, like um, going from here to Seligman, and Seligman's like seventeen minutes away from here. Well, that makes you know? sense to me yeah. because the 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 town that I grew up in, well, partially grew up in for like four or five years, um, lived in. I wouldn't say grew up in. I lived in through high school a little bit. Um, it's a small fucking town, bigger than two miles wide, just a little bit bigger. Zero law enforcement, zero fire. There, it's all through the county, but it's its own city. It's, it has its own school district, but it has no police department. It has it has no. Do fire I know department. where you're talking about? Is this this between Santa Clarita and Palmdale? Yeah, yeah. So there's two. So actually, I've two lived cities, there. I've lived yeah. there. One one is in like they're 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 not even they're like townships, and I know exactly what you're talking about. They have their own yeah. joint school district. Yep. And then the, what they have is resident deputies. So yes. those guys are fucking. There is a deputy centers. who, and I'm going to tell you a resident deputy. OG ones are I'm going to tell you an awesome, <laughs> awesome resident deputy story in a second. Uh, they have a deputy who he lives in that area and he works yeah. for the sheriff's department. And so they just let him uh, take his car home, go 10 8 from home, and then patrol all of that area you know 40 hours a week but then he's also expected to respond to after hours calls yep. and but that's a lot of money though i mean yeah. yeah that guy was a dick though he was a dick um, <laughs> yes well i know who if was, i know if I, if I know the one the you're crusty talking, fucking he's guy. gone he's yeah, gone he, he retired but he was there when my uncle died and he was an asshole yeah and oh, man. that's a whole different fucking story but, different. but he was he was an asshole resident and, deputy. But, I I have, I have heard of that. Like uh, I actually did some security work over at the at the Grand Canyon through this department called Zantera and their uh, NPS National Park Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what the, uh, they call deputies, uh, police uh, police officers, uh, rangers. Uh, rangers. There you go. Yeah. Um. They would they would be on call at night, and if yeah. they needed to come, you know, they would drive all the way from their house. Yeah, to the calls that were going on down at the 
the red Yogi Disney Bear Park. and Boo Boo Ranger, which is like <laughs> a tour guide. And then there's the legit National Park Service Rangers who are law enforcement officers, park rangers that are, have a gun. And now they still don't do the Not same all job of them. That, that city. Lo- no, no, that's what I'm saying. There's a difference between. No, no, no. What I'm t- assuming is that in L.A., they have started to take away their guns. Only a select few oh. have them. Wow. Well, then they're because we rolled, a they don't have pistols. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me over there. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So, I'll tell you this resident deputy story real quick. Uh, All right, it is war stories, and we have to have some stories. Uh, this resident deputy, <laughs> who shall remain nameless, he uh, once called into dispatch and said, "Hey, did you guys, you guys get any reports of shots fired in my area?" And they said, "No." And he yeah. said. <laughs> Okay, good. If you do, you just ignore him. Apparently, he was quick drawing, practicing his quick draw in the bathroom mirror and AD'd at himself. <laughs> there is no, there, there is no AD. That's a fucking ND, dude. Well, they're all NDs. <laughs> there is NDs. really no sense. But uh, then another instance, same dude uh, had to, had a delayed response. Code three dispatch had to call into the watchman and be like, "Mom, I'm going to be my response going to be a little delayed." Turns out. Um, he had decided to wash his police car and he took the light bar off to wash underneath it. What oh the my fuck? God. <laughs> oh my God. What a dumbass. Uh, and in the middle of washing <laughs> the car shit. with the light bar off that, that he, a call comes out. So those are funny um, resident deputy stories. Um, I would like to say this real quick. When Chris wanted to go into, uh, you know, public service and, and, and volunteer for his town's fire department, you got introduced and inducted into a time where you just saw 19 um, men, brothers, perish in a fire, and you went to that memorial, right? And that's what kind of like broke the ice when you're getting ready to get in. Many people would have turned away. They'd have been like, fuck this. This isn't for me. I don't want to die. No. And you're just like, no, I'm going to push forward through this. I'm going to continue to do it, and I'm going to do it the best I possibly can. And I'm going to make myself as healthy and as strong as possible to make sure that I'm safe and I learn the trade. So I'm safe. And you kind of already mentioned, so I'm safe and everyone else is safe. I think that is speaks more to your character than anything. Cause I know so many people who go into law enforcement who have never been punched in the face, um, who've never dealt with anything serious. They get on the job. They see their first dead body or a suicide jumper off a fucking like 50 story building or someone blows their fucking head off with a shotgun. And they're like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. Or who misses the fucking landing and jumps off of like a 20 story building and gets stuck on the fucking landing over the first floor and is just hanging there in fucking pieces. And they're like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And they quit They're on probation. They quit. You saw something that you could have been like, Nope, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to do this because this is too dangerous. I, and you, you just, you're so overwhelmed with it. Right. But you're like, no, I'm going to press forward. I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because I still have that calling, that burning desire to serve. And I think that speaks fucking volumes. And before you get into your story, I just wanted to say that. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I appreciate it. That, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that. That's I don't right. get very many like compliments like that. So I pre- yeah. I don't know what to say other than that's thanks, right. man. I, I will tell you. Awesome. I will, Thank you echo his sentiments and say you don't have to say anything but thanks because the bottom line is is that there are a lot of firefighters out there that do a hell of a lot less for full-time money mm-hmm. yeah there and you're out there going you know what i'm gonna bust my own ass and get myself in shape and and be in uh 
in physical a physical condition to make a difference and get the training I need to make a difference in my community. And you're doing it for nothing other than the fact that it's the right thing to do. And that to me is, I would, <laughs> I heard it said the other day, I'll take an honest crook over a dirty cop any day of the week. <laughs> it's, I, I will take people who are willing to put their life on the line for free for the right reasons over the most skilled operator who does it for the wrong reasons. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's correct. Cause, um, like the reason why I got caught off guard there is cause I'm not, I'm not looking for, you know, for thanks, you know, like I, I've thanked other people for their service and what they've done. Cause I've, I've known their background and stuff. But, uh, when I got into it, like yeah maybe i was like oh yeah this is this it's badass you know you know badass whatever but then as you start getting into it more and more you just you just want to do a good job and that's for volunteer and paid because we want to go out there and do what's right and i don't want any i don't want any praise for it you know because there are things that i had seen where I wasn't able to help someone and they ended up dying right there, you know? So mm -hmm. that's the part where you end up looking at it and you're just like, I don't want a thank you. Right. I just want, I don't want any acknowledgement basically. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. it goes through your mind and, and you don't want any of that. You don't want any of that crap. You just want to help people out. Welcome to and the world of veterans so, getting asked, thank you for your service or, or <laughs> your service or police officers, you know, even, I, I'm going to tell you this as a cop, it's still weird. You know, when people say, Oh, thank you for, you know, serving or thank you for this or that. I'm like, mm -hmm, you're welcome, I guess. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. For it's yeah, definitely, it's, it's definitely a thankless job and you know that and you're like, look, I just I'm here to help. I don't need the accolades. I don't really care. It's nice if your department recognizes well, your accolades. That's the, that's a flip side. That's different. If your department treats you like shit, then you're mad. So, yeah, anyway, but we wanted to get to, for, want to do get the chance to get you to tell your story. So uh, the floor is yours, man. You've you've been EMT firefighter. Um, you know, obviously, hey, one of these days you may end up being a set medic like Matt's trying to be. <laughs> um, or I've hey, met a couple of them before. They're pretty cool. Maybe Matt will be a set medic on a show that you get cast in. Oh, you know what? That, yeah. We'll be talking the whole time. Awesome. We'll be like, we won't be we doing can, our job. But until you can touch base. Yeah. Oh, don't that, that, when you're famous. that show that you were doing that we wanted to have you on before. And you're like, I can't talk about it yet. I can't talk. I hope you can fucking talk about it because you're on and I'm going to ask. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'll well, I'll okay. answer anything I can for sure. Let's get to let's get to your story. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm Chris Acosta. I'm from Ashwork, Arizona. Um background is film. Inspired. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. Well, there's a there's a specific call that I want to talk about and what was probably my trigger to fall off the deep end, gain a ton of weight and get really depressed. And just to let you guys know how I came out of that depression to get back into shape. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little hard for me to talk about because I've I was thinking about it the other day. Take and time. yeah, so take your time, dude. It was a few years ago on December 11th, which happens to be my birthday, and uh, I just gotten off work and. I got back to my house and I saw that there was a, I had left the radio on, on my, on my cupboard. And I heard there was, there was some commotion saying something about a, uh, rollover on the I-40, but I didn't catch it. And I ended up calling the chief and they didn't respond. And, and it was definitely on the I-40, but. I started to realize that they weren't able to hear me because once they drive out maybe 10, 12, 13 miles, we start losing uh, reception for our um, radios. Um, so well, I decided, well, hell, I'll go down to the fire station and stand by and maybe I can get a, you know, a call from them on the phone or something, see what's going on, see if they need me to bring another apparatus or so or something kind of like that yeah so we and you guys probably do that a lot yeah so yeah we uh we usually have someone on dispatch but sometimes they're not available for for that you know right they're out doing uh they're living life you know they're volunteers so they're not getting paid so they're going to be doing what's important to them at that time you know so um I show up, I get into my bunker gear, uh, not fully, but just uh, my bunker pants and stuff. And uh, I'm waiting there with the radio on. I hear some static, and then I see another firefighter show up who uh, uh, also heard what, what was going on. So they ended up taking the rescue, which had all the extrication tools on there and medical supplies and I was like, well, the rescue's out. Um, it looks like there's uh, two firefighters on scene. Uh, what can we do? So we end up uh, taking the one of the other fire trucks. And, uh, you know, we load up on supplies and stuff. And uh, we make we start making our way to the I-40 towards Seligman, um, which I had acknowledge that that was the direction of what was going on you know the incident that had happened over there right you were headed towards it yeah we were in route and um i think halfway there we could finally see all the vehicles just the traffic jam so we do our best to get through the traffic jam but this thing this was a this was a bad accident because it was backed up. Shit, it was backed up like like five 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 to ten miles, man. It was wow. no one was getting really through, so we ended up, you know, going off through the sides and swerving in, dipping in anywhere we could, and then finally, which felt like forever, we finally got there. We get out and we f see that there's they're in the median of the east and westbound lanes. 
Now, just confirming, when you get there, you're not first unit on scene because you were, we're yeah, dispatching. Correct, correct. Uh, if I clarify that, uh, we showed up and we we did see uh, Ash Fork Fire Department on scene, and then Seligman Fire Department, and also uh, DPS. And it looked like it had been going on for maybe thirty minutes now. Okay, so it was a multi agency response, and you you self dispatched, and you get there, kind of. Okay, it's bad. What can I do? Exactly. That's but correct. You don't know how. Yes. Bad. Well, uh, we didn't know how bad, but as soon as we saw that the semi had flipped over in Ooh. the uh, the 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 tractor trailer, the trailer part had flipped on top of a upside down vehicle, Ooh. a car. Oh. So the wheel so the had landed. Flipped, then the trailer hit the car. So the story that the, that was told to me was that these uh, the the semi truck and the car were both heading on the westbound, and from what I understand, the individual who was driving the car fell asleep, and ran into the front part of the semi truck. Hmm. The semi truck turned to the left, and somehow they both ended up. Uh, crashing into the median flipping and somehow the the cargo landed directly on top of the car upside down the tire part landed exactly where all the people were and just smushed everything down like the entire axle yeah the tire well the tire part yeah the axle tire everything it smushed everything down into mm mm-hmm oh that's I'm like what? Pounds. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's eight wheels right there on an axle. Yeah, and, and axle. I have no. Yeah, and I have no idea what the cargo was or anything. But even if it was empty, it's still axles. pretty heavy right there. Yeah, just the axles and eight tires. I think. Yeah, they're yeah. fucking huge. They're, so they're it looked like it. It, yeah, it looked like it was some serious shit. That's for sure. And yeah. uh, there was already a bunch of DPS on scene, and my first reaction was like, well. I'm going to get our medical supplies from our uh, apparatus and then I'll head over there along with the other firefighter that was with me and we head over there mm-hmm. and I stand there and I look and I'm just like, holy crap, this doesn't look good. And two of our firefighters are already inside the vehicle and I guess it wasn't, it was no longer a medical call is a recovery. Oh, so, and I did not know that, which I should have asked, you know, the chief, but the chief saw over there, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> all crazy too. So my first thing to do was to go check on the other side of the car and try to search for people underneath there. And what pissed me off is that there was this other firefighter, um, who's not with Seligman anymore. And, I don't usually like talking smack or talking shit, but it pissed me off because uh, this fat ass firefighter was on his ass sitting down looking at us while we're trying to do the recovery and shit. And this firefighter knew this girl. No, no. What the fuck? He's sitting down watching you guys do work. Well, wait, did he know her? No, no. uh, What? I thought you just said he knew her. Oh, did I know the girl? You yeah. said I. I did know her, but we we've ran we've ran calls in the past. 
okay. uh, on calls, but don't so like you her. knew the victim. <laughs> you're doing your job. This other firefighter who is, is he full time or is he volunteer? She, she was a volunteer. Was she, okay. So she's also a volunteer. So you guys are kind of on the same level as far as your positions at the fire department. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you're doing a recovery on somebody that you know, you've met, you've dealt with on calls, and this person sits down and just kind of watches. Exactly. Wow. But in my during the time, it didn't it didn't hit me until after I got home from the call. But when I saw that shit, I was like, I don't give a shit what you're saying. But I guess they had have already t- they they had already taken out the grandma who were driving the two kids. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know. It it just it just pissed me off. I don't know why I threw that in there, but I thought I'd say that because, like, she was almost like laughing at me, like, oh, Can you I know, you showed up, you showed, yeah, you showed up late, and uh, I was yeah. like, well, then fuck you, you know. <laughs> I get you it know? because she was there first. You volunteered to go. It's her responsibility to handle it. You showed up to help, and she's not doing shit. Just because it's an ugly, nasty, sad, gross job. And yeah, I, I, I still being, don't understand. Being smug about it. Yeah, I still don't understand what, why that happened, but it did. But then I was like, I'm not gonna listen to that shit. Uh, it, it happened there, because there, you there were can be on scene jacked up. That's why. It, yeah, something that normally wouldn't piss you off, right? Something right. That otherwise, would you? have been like, what a fucking asshole. And then moved on because it would have registered their, their shitty behavior would have registered, but you would have been full of enough patience and grace to move on from it and just let it roll off your back. But yeah. in a situation where you. you're dealing with it and you're handling it and you've got your arms, elbows deep in somebody's guts. Right. Yeah. You Cause all I, of I was caught off guard. Patience is out the window. And because all yeah. grace and patience is out the window, she is now getting the full brunt of, are you fucking kidding me? That's <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I'm just letting you know, that's, that's my dime store psychology of why it happened from doing this job and doing this show for as long as I have. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I was, cause she was also, more informed than I was. And right. I was over there trying to do what I was trying to do to look for an access point to get people out. And she was just like, we, they already took her out. You know, I'm just like, you know Whoa, what? Fuck. <laughs> okay. You Fine. shouldn't worry about talking shit about someone who's being fucking lazy when they know they have still two entrapped victims inside, regardless if they're, you know, KMA or still alive at the point, because you really don't know until you put hands on. If you're just sitting there, good on you for having the restraint not to talk shit, because if I would have rolled up on scene and I've done it before and seen some fucking slapdick sitting there watching us do work and we're not even primary Right. I would have said some shit like, hey, get the fuck up, do your job. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do your job, go back to the fucking station, change out and quit. That would have been me. So good on you for doing that, to have that restraint. That shows a a lot of fucking. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm probably worse than Chuck. Like, (laughs) seriously, the the school of FTO that I was raised in and the agency I worked for, I just saw her sitting on her ass and gone, oh, fucking cool i showed up to help i'm not even on this call i'm gonna clear and you can handle this shit peace i'm out and i just fucking cleared no yeah i i understand i understand you guys uh and like but the thing was it's like 
you can't who else is gonna who else is gonna help these people out in this small small community you know what i'm saying which is exactly why we're complimenting you because you didn't have the ability to dip out and just say you handle it i'm clearing and you also weren't in a position to you know what though chuck i'll I'll give this i'll give her this like we honestly don't know she may have been completely fucking traumatized in the moment and you shouldn't do the job okay let me back up (laughs) i agree with you that upset me (laughs) i agree that she shouldn't be doing the job if for for a couple of reasons if 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 you're the person who when your homies show up to help you with a with a a dead body or a fatal collision or some fucked up shit and you're the one who's like oh my homies are here i don't have to do shit and you sit back on your ass and do nothing you shouldn't be doing the job that's exactly what i saw i saw more of the laziness and i was just like that's bullshit let's 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 do this work because there's there are kids inside the vehicle who still need to get extricated out of the vehicle. Right. So now you, the, the driver, the grandma, you said, right. She had, yeah. she had already been extricated and transported. And was that while you were on scene or is that right before? That was right before. Hey, was that she was right alive before. when they, when they extricated and transporter? Yes. She was in critical, ext- uh, critical condition and they ended up transporting like her to, though. Yeah, uh, at the the trauma center, the nearest one was in Flagstaff, which was and like fifty. Fifty minutes. Yeah, fifty minutes. And so then, yeah. once you once she's extricated, packed up, and transpoed, at that point things can slow down for you guys a little bit because at, you know that the remaining victims are deceased, and it's a recovery and not a rescue, right? That's correct. Yeah. And so is that the point at which? I mean, so you're, that's where you're getting involved is, okay, grandma's gone. She's been transported. Things are slowing down a little bit. And now the overwhelmingly ugly task of recovering two dead children from a wrecked vehicle is mine. Exactly. Okay. Yep. That's what's, that's what's going on now. And, um, two of our, uh, two, the, other two firefighters from Ashwork were in were already taking turns with the um the spreaders and the cutters inside mm-hmm. of the um, of the vehicle which was still smushed by the semi truck the cargo and uh as soon as I made my way over back over to this other spot where one of my firefighters were they I I was able to dip underneath and see what was going on, and I was just talking to him, say, "Hey, what what else do we need? Uh, do we need any other tools? Do you guys want to switch out? If you if you're tired, I can we we can switch out so we can, you know, stay fresh while we're extricating uh, the children." And then uh, my my buddy said, "Yeah, let's let's switch out." And so he ended up getting me the cutters. And then what he ended up doing was going to the other side finally and popping off, popping out the rest of the door where they extricated the, the grandmother. So we were, we were on both sides and, um, we, we saw that one of the children were sitting in the passenger seat up front. And, uh, I guess when they ended up flipping over, 
the sunroof i think was opened and half of his body was underneath the sunroof um while the rest of him was just smashed into the dirt and i remember it being really cold and that was another detail i didn't put in there was when it was close to christmas time and it looked like these children were dressed in their pajamas and i think they had gone to do the polar express so yeah so yeah it was yeah it was closer to christmas time and they were dressed up in their pajamas one had like a angry birds pajamas on and the other one had um batman it's interesting so how you can remember details like that isn't it it is yeah because like, i've seen that, so many kids in pajamas in my career but i don't remember any of them except for anybody that was you know in, involved being a traumatic vic- like i can remember that stuff it makes it burns into your brain yeah it, it's weird i don't know why i end up talking about that but that's just what pops into my mind but then the whole wreckage was a bunch of car parts and christmas presents um, all over the you know on the ground oh, so that man. was the that was what the scene was and then uh we were still looking for the little girl cuz she was in there and i guess um the other firefighter who was across from me doing some spreading the spreading moving crap out of the way saw that she was um underneath all this dirt and that was i guess she ended up i guess she was in the back cuz we saw the like this carriage and i think she got i don't i don't know if she was wasn't strapped in or whatever but well, it sounds up. like they both how, how old are these kids so so i didn't get their exact age but i know they one an estimate um i think the youngest one was probably five mm-hmm. and then oh, the the oldest one was maybe a uh, 10 years old the little boy was five the, the little boy was was 10 i think okay. he was a, he was a taller he looked he looked older okay. than the little, the little girl boy, the little boy in the front in, with this with the sunroof is 10 and the little girl in the back with the dirt is five and at five if you're not here's the thing like that's that's at that age where you're like starting to not sit in a car seat in a five-point restraint system and you're just like it's a lot easier for smaller five-year-olds to get ejected from a vehicle and out of a seat belt that's designed Mm -hmm. for a full-size adult Uh, yeah so uh, maybe they were strapped in maybe they weren't uh, I it, but it does sound like that both of them had issues with seat belts because if he's partially ejected and she's ejected into the dirt or at least ground into the dirt because she wasn't restrained in her seat, that would make well, sense. Yeah. So you, what what's going on now is like the vehicle's upside down, right? Right. So now we're digging out the little girl who is now by the windshield underneath all the dirt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, fuck. Okay. So oh, everything's upside down in that little tri- cir- like triangle between the hood, the windshield, and the dirt. But she's covered in dirt. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. we didn't definitely we didn't notice how, it was definitely when the the semi smashed into the vehicle or when they drug they went into the dirt quite a bit. So Good. we had a lot of dirt that we had to 
move out the way, which had different pieces of stuff. Oh, fuck. And um, finally, uh, the other the other Ashford firefighter finally saw where she was. So he just started digging and digging and digging. And then finally she was ever, it was, he was able to completely take her out of the dirt on, you know, dig her up. And there was another blanket in the back. Uh, this is the one I don't remember is it, it was a, I don't know if it was transformers. I don't know what it was, but he ended up rolling the girl up in this blanket and then placing her outside with all the other evidence that was was being placed outside. Anything that we took out of the vehicle, you guys know. Yeah, I think you guys know. It's like whatever we take out of the vehicle, we place it yeah. outside, be you know, for evidence and mm -hmm. stuff. And then we placed her out there like a piece of evidence. Yeah, well, you yeah. know. And so we got the little girl. We got the little girl out. Uh, I think that one of the Seligman Fire Department uh, firefighters ended up grabbing the girl and then placing her down on the floor. And it's starting to get dark out now and DPS end up, you know, putting up lights and so do the firefighters, you know. And we're still working on the the, the little kid, the little boy who's sitting shotgun, you know. Uh, and he was buried underneath, like I said, and trapped underneath the, the sunroof or the moonroof or whatever you call it, you know. But we didn't know that at first because we thought it was just a bunch of the metal stuff that was smashing them down. Because what happened was when, when, like I said, when the vehicle flipped over, the the seat was had compressed them even farther down. You know, so it it was it was tough to see because that was a whole lot of holy shit. You know, for yeah. these kids. You know, yeah. And but at the time, you know, I, I wasn't really thinking that, but I, I would acknowledge and see what was going on. Right. So, yeah. So our our job is to try to get this boy out as as whole as we can. We're trying, you know, that's what yeah. that my goal was. But. Well, it's we no wonder when you said that this drove you over the edge. I mean, yeah, this is a tough call. Very tough. Kids are always tough, you know. Yeah, and then I always thought maybe like, like I had seen some bad stuff before, you know, that are around the same level. But I think this one was the one that hit me because after the call, I had to come home, and then they had like a birthday party, right, for me, oh, yeah. and I was just like, I was not, not there. I'm not into it, right? But, but we ended up finding out what was wrong with the kid. Um, uh you know, in terms of why he wasn't getting nudged out and we had to dig farther down towards the metal part of the top side, which was now below and start cutting that we had end. We ended up having to cut around the moon roof and then prying the, the metal out and when we did that, we noticed that most of his hand was gone. His arm was just ripped, ripped up all crazy, like, you know, and 
Um, now it was now that when we got his uh, when when we ended when we ended up taking his arm out, and then that's when we could you know cut into the chair, remove the chair, unbuckle him for, uh, with the seatbelt, which ended up down by his waist, and uh, it was a, a heavier set kid. But we, I ended up uh, dragging him out slowly, and I asked my buddy um, to help me out because I wanted to be uh, as respectful as possible, you know. Because when we were in there, we were talking to the, the the children like if they were alive, you know. Because right. like if we were cutting around something and we we accidentally hit them or nipped them, uh, we would be talking to them. And the the other firefighter uh, who is Hispanic, we would be talking. We would say stuff in Spanish, like uh, "I'm hita," you know, like it's okay, you know, it's okay, you know, this crazy stuff. You know, we'd just be talking to the kids. We wanted them to be safe, even though they were gone. You know, right? Because you have the feeling that they're, you know, that they're dead, but at the same time, you still have that hope. Yeah, there. there's always that maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. after you after you got them out, you, and the full after actions and everything started to hit you. Talk about how it affected you and how you got out of that. Well, well, the the next part of that this is what this is what got me though. Like, I was doing all right with the recovery until this point was when we had to pick up the boy so that DPS Department of Public Safety could take a picture of the boy in the state that he was in. So we had law enforcement pick up the drapes so that people cuz you know we get the the lookers that you know drive by. Mm -hmm. And I had to pick up this 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 dead kid and then i guess when he his face got smashed into the dirt um his he had cut open or ruptured something on his on his head but then when i ended up picking him up that part of his skin was just coming down slowly like his face was slowly coming down you have to hold and it. i wanted i wanted them to take the picture already because i had i'd gotten a good look at the kid and and i didn't i didn't like what i was seeing and i and i and i was feeling i was feeling super bad because i felt like i was hold, this is ridiculous but i felt like i was holding up like a trophy or something you know like Look at here, you know, I got, yeah, you, you know, and, and I don't know why my, my brain ended up reverting to that, but I saw that you, you were doing the same thing that people do in trophy hunting photos. Yeah. yeah. It's just so, an instant connection you make. You can't stop it. Your brain. Right. And I, on. and I knew that, 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 that was uh, like kind of ridiculous. Right. But that's what was going through my head. But then I, I didn't want the rest of this kid's face to keep coming down, you know? I didn't want to see that, but I also didn't want to like turn my head and, 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 you know, I wanted to, <laughs> I don't know. 
I didn't want anybody else around me to think I was like a puss or something, you know, like I was there to, to do a job and I was going to hold that kid up as, as long as they needed me for them to take the, the, the photos for the evidence, you know? So finally he took the photos. I, uh, dipped the kid back and I asked, you know, is it all right? Can I wrap him up and then place him over by his sister? which I, I believe it was their sister, you know? So he's like, yeah, we got everything. So I ended up rolling them, rolling them up. And, and I ended up carrying them over to his little sister, but I couldn't find his little sister. Cause one of the other firefighters from Seligman felt really bad too. picked her up and placed her in, their fire apparatus because he said it was it was too cold outside for her to be out mm. uh amongst all the crap and all the the metal and and that was the part where it's just like these are these are some these these are some badass motherfuckers dude like these children these children are gone but their their love and their passion and them wanting to respect the deceased was just was awesome. Though even though I met that asshole, right. there there's plenty more firefighters or law enforcement officers who right. want the right reason. Good, you know. So I placed him down where his sister used to be, and then. Finally, he had to go and grab the little girl. So he ended up grabbing the little girl. And he walked past me. And he was the older chief, an older chief, older guy, white mustache, you know, the, the works, whatever. And that's when it hit me. And I was just like, he's going over there to place them together. And that's it. That's that's all those kids are never yep. never going forward anymore and he kneeled down did a prayer and then as soon as i saw that he did that i did the same thing mm-hmm. you know and they're not they're, they say that you're not supposed to get emotional or anything on scene but it, it's it's freaking hard sometimes it's because when you go through that shit you know i can't just walk me like because i kind of did do that i wasn't crying i was just going through as long as you're not high respectful stage somebody's ass it's nobody's business no yeah yeah i mean i you never saw me you'd never see me on scene to where i was going to be unuseful you know because i was there to do a job and i was going to do it right and if i was i was going to do everything i could and if i failed it was going to be because something didn't go wrong i mean didn't go right right that's where my mentality was. And it always has been like that. And it, it's still like that, you know? Right. So, so then you, you, you is this, so I yeah, this completely is completely understand why going through something like this as a young man, a volunteer firefighter from, from, from all your experience and stuff, it's a tough one. And is, did you, were you drinking or how did you cope? Well, and it was it, either drinking, it was, it was, or 
burying burying your sorrows in women you shouldn't be with. Those are like the three choices we make. Right. All right. So what happened with me was when I got home, I, you know, I did the, I did the wrong, I did the wrong thing. And everyone knows this in the fire and EMS uh, police department is that you keep that shit bottled up inside. Yeah. That's the, that's heard, the culture. And, yeah. And I, and, and everyone, we all know that we've, and even if, even though we know that we still don't say everything that's on our minds because who is going to understand really, you know? And mm-hmm. like, if, if I tell one of my family members, what the hell is going to happen to them then, you know? Right. So what I ended up doing is like, I'm not a, I do, I'm not a big drinker. So I didn't go towards alcohol my way out the way, the thing that helped me, which I thought was helping me was, was food. Right. And I, I, I didn't eat really healthy. And then, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I went and drank, drank too much. How much did you get? So I was already working on trying to lose weight at that time, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was around a little heavier than I am now. I think this is the, the, the lightest I've been since, since high school. Cause I was always a really, Oh no, you're uh, like a stocky thick dude. You look, you're built like a football player. (laughs) But yeah, so, so I've seen pictures of what you were at when we first were talking to you and where you're at now and the change is drastic. So at yeah. your heaviest, how heavy did you get? Uh, my heaviest, I was starting to push up towards 350 something, 354, 50 and change, 350 and change. And I was getting bigger. Mm. I was I kept eating. I, and then after that, then, yeah, I started drinking. And then that didn't help either. You well, know, now you're drinking because you're sad because you're eating and getting heavy. Yeah. And like, then mm-hmm. the whole, all, you know, trying to get a girlfriend thing was getting to me now. Cause like, who the hell, you know, right. is, you know, get date someone who is severely overweight, um, depressed, ha- has, de- you know, de- you know, has problems <laughs> mentally, you know, depressed. Uh, no one wants to deal with that shit, and I don't blame them, you know. So, yeah, yeah. so it was up to. So yeah, how'd you fight your way out? So, I I I stayed in this depression for quite a while. All right, so it wasn't until I ended up working at the Ashworth Unified School District, where I I ended up getting help from a friend who is my supervisor there. And I'm going to say his name because he doesn't care. (laughs) Hmm. Name is Robert Brame. This guy is six, six. Nice. He's a powerhouse. He's a big ass man. He uh, preaches. He's, he's got me to join his church. Um, I love it. You know, so he, he and this, and some law enforcement guys, Saved my life, basically, you know. So you found a support group that knew what you were going through. Yeah. Yeah. You decided to talk about it. Hmm. Strange, Chuck. It's almost like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it was it it was like I ended up telling the the T, the DPS officer first on how I was feeling. So he ended up getting me onto this this diet, which worked pretty good. But I kind of started falling back into it, then falling out of it. So that's when my buddy Robert introduced me to weightlifting, and I never really went to the gym as surprising as it sounds like not consistently right now i've I've been going to the gym for the past two years consistently four to five days a week and now that i started implementing running Mm -hmm. i hate running i hate running with a goddamn passion you're not built like a runner dude you're built like a fire hydrant you're built like a yeah you're but like an obstacle but that's that's the thing is like like this is what's going to help me right and of, of course i threw in the carnivore diet which I have positive feedback for it, but I, I think I'm going to switch more over towards the, the keto stuff. Like, uh, I want to start implementing fruits and all that stuff into my diet again. But for the last 28 days, um, I've been eating nothing but meat and cheese and milk and all that stuff after you. Right. But the, the, but that's the cra- that's the crazy thing is is that I I heard a lot of stuff, a lot of stories of of people just you know, uh, having extreme diarrhea and none of that happened to me, man. Because, like to me, I I was looking for a change, and I was just like, I'm gonna do this 100 percent, or or I'm not gonna do it at all. And the crazy thing is is that when I started that, my inflammation. Like it was like I sh- I shrank, my face shrank down, all all this inflammation that I had on me like disappeared in those first fifteen weeks of the carnivore diet, and I was just like, holy crap! Just like I always thought, too much meat was bad for you, and it maybe it, maybe it is too bad for people, you know, for it's some people, but for you. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's <laughs> it's it's getting rid of the processed foods and all that stuff. So. It, and, and and getting on a whole food diet, which is meat, organs, stuff like that, fruits, you know, anything you can eat naturally, hunter gatherer shit, it's it's all good. Exactly, for you. It helps helps with mental clarity. It helps with focus. It helps with getting all the toxins out of your body to help you cope better with things. And so, my next thing is, you spoke to some people. They yes. helped you. They let you know that you're not alone. You're not fucking crazy. It's okay to have these feelings. And then they give you an outlet which to channel some of these feelings, which was working out. And then they put you on a structure which was a diet and you found a, f- a few different diets that, that helped you and, and guided you along the way. So what I'm getting at is that you spoke to some people, you found an outlet, right. you found a structure and a routine, right. That, which is helping you cope. And, right. uh, and then you got active. Yep. You got active mm-hmm. and you took control of your health and your, and here's the thing, taking control of your health at the gym and with your diet is also going to take control of your endocrine system and your endocrine system regulates all of your, you know, hormones and biochemical processes and all that stuff so it is like for all you like oh you're just you know, it there's there's fucking medical research that backs all this shit up why do you think yeah. the stress on your heart the the adrenaline that constantly courses through your body creating scar tissue on your vascular system the the stress and the 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 uh stress hormones that are released in your body and 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 all that 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 cause problems cortisol, cortisol and 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 
adrenaline and noradrenaline and norepinephrine and all these different chemicals. They they can fuck your body up. Well, yeah, especially adrenaline. Yeah, adrenaline yeah. keep going through your if your heart's always pumping like that. Like that's a that's a good point because sometimes when I'd be sleeping, like on my left side where my heart is, back when I was really big, mm-hmm. it I would you'd have my heart would start skipping. Yeah. yeah, it would be skipping. And now that I lost these 60 pounds and, I, and I'm planning to get down to 250, I can sleep on any side of my body now. But at the at, at that time, I was like, what the hell is going on? Take a hint. Like, holy shit. Because I was a big ass son of a bitch, you know, because that. Yeah, that's just crazy. It's just like the inferior and in, uh, in, uh, superior inferior Vinicava. If you, you know, lean on one side, you know. Mm-hmm. you can block all that but when i was i was like oh i'll lean on my left side mm-hmm. my heart Crushing was your heart. <laughs> my heart you know so i was so, like oh well you've been listening to the show long enough to know that we give our listener or our guest i should say in this case you're both a chance to dedicate their episode to whomever they would like and so do you have your own dedication or would you like us to provide i did provide my uh your i did provide my right. dedication do you want yes. well you can, i know you did you that i just was offering to uh let you read it or if you want us to do it yeah uh i'd be happy to read it i'm just bringing it up right now because i ended up sending it to chuck um if you want i can read it if you want to read it you can read it we generally let our guests read it but if you have one message to tell people who are listening that may have been struggling or are currently struggling with something what would be your top two bullet points to give them to help them with their struggles that they've been dealing with some sort of traumatic incident? Yeah. You need to open up because if you don't open up, you rot deep down inside and it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And then become active. Like, you, like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm not motivated. And I'm motivated. Screw that shit. You have to be consistent because there are, there are times, and you guys have heard this from other people, and you guys have felt this before as well, it's like, you just got to get your ass in the gym, or you got to go and take a walk and do some sort of exercise, because if you stay stagnant, and then you, and if you had the problem like I did, where you're just, your mind starts thinking, and you go, you know, exercise is the best thing, I think, it's just exercise, and then Talk. talk about yeah. yeah what you need to talk about with people you were comfortable with like with me it was with law enforcement and other firefighters so mm-hmm. well i know that was a little longer than no, no, the, all the good. two bullet points and stuff but it's all good let's just that's uh you, do you have your dedication you want to read uh yeah give me give me a second here i ended up sending it on yeah on instagram so dedication Fall for my fallen brother is for Clint Anthony Orozco, aka Tony Orozco, United States Army, First Infantry Division, Arizona National Guard, 104th Transport, uh, 1404th Transportation Company, did two tours in Iraq plus one in Afghanistan. He was from Ash Fork, Arizona, and he was my brother. Rest in peace, Tony. Well, rest easy, Tony. We've got it from here. And uh, Chris, it's it's good to have you on and good to talk to you. It's it's fun talking to you online, but it's it's more fun to 
even though it's a very serious topic, it's it's fun to see you and, and get to rap with you yeah. on this podcast. So appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure finally meeting you guys. You guys are awesome. And I appreciate what you guys do and and have other people on your show talk about yeah. what they're having problems with. For acting. Do you want people to follow you for your acting? Yeah, plug your shit, dude. Plug your plug shit. You need to read my stuff. Um yes, uh you guys can follow me on Instagram under Jesus Chris Acosta. I also got a Facebook as well. Um which is under Jesus Chris Acosta as well. And you guys can see my progress. I'm currently um working on a couple of films right now, including uh one that is uh codenamed uh Sandy, aka Duster who is starting Josh Holloway and uh, Keith David, uh, Greg Grunberg. It looked like, it looks like it's going to be a pretty awesome. Cool. Show. Reoccurring. So, uh, from what I understand, I am reoccurring right now, but since there's these, uh, the writer strikes right. that are going on. Strike. Yeah. Since I'm and, not like the top build guy, I don't, I don't have much information on what, going on for me so basically i can tell be, you right now you're gonna have to wait till the writers come back <laughs> yeah, everything's on time. Uh, everything yep so. yeah it, it'll work uh, itself out it's yeah. gonna they're it gonna always cave. does they're gonna come up with as as the actors deal. go on strike everybody's gonna freak out and come to an agreement so, yeah, what for us? To, hold on real quick where, they, where, where, where will they be able to find this show when it pops off well when it pops off um yeah i don't know like can you say sometimes it? it ta- oh well it it's gonna be on uh, hbo max or now that it's called max now i oh, guess max. um the it's uh produced by jj abrams and uh it's gonna be directed by different that's why greg directors and stuff it. yeah greg grunberg uh i got to work mm-hmm. with greg grunberg uh one day he was pretty cool and then josh holloway had a scene with him so but nothing's set in stone, so they, you know, you do shoots. They can also do reshoots, but um, people don't know when it, it comes. Greg Grunberg yeah, w- and J.J. Abrams are friends, dude. And he's yeah. gonna blow your shit up once it hits because you're reoccurring. And this is the exact thing that you need. If you ever listen to podcasts of Rain Wilson, I think it's Wilson, Rain Dwight from the fucking Office. The only he- way he got booked in the Office was because he was on a reoccurring role on HBO right before and he says that's exactly what got me there he goes i was perfect for the role yeah. and i read for michael scott and for dwight and i got dwight and i knew i was going to get dwight because i was perfect for it but the only he's like i credit this to me getting a recurring role on hbo dude you want to see it. some crazy so, shit. wow i know this is totally off track go <laughs> look up the audition videos of the office and see who auditioned for it they got turned down it didn't make it on the show it's like a who's who of hollywood anyway uh chuck go ahead Everyone, thank you for listening. If you like today's podcast and the content we provide, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or really whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. We don't we don't really care. We just we want you to rate us. Um, it really helps us out. Our podcast is available on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how podcast platforms decide what to recommend. So your reviews really help us grow the show. Also, Please give us a follow on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us, please like and share our posts. If you click the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to reach all of our social media sites and our website. 
Another way to support us is by visiting our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some of our merch. We have shirts, patches, stickers, swivy hoodies available. If you think you have a story you would like to tell or want to be a guest on the show, please email your info and a brief description of your story to us at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that is booking.warstories at gmail.com so I can get you booked. We are always looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, and medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us and give them our booking email. We're also down to have people from other states and or yeah, yeah. Not states, but countries. other countries on here, which would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Mention again. Thank you for the support. Yeah. Stay safe. And until our next episode. Come home with your shield or on it.